Scott here from Social Energy Presents, and welcome to this podcast short from our signature show, Your Backstage Pass, featuring a special vignette from another great episode. We have to go back a bit, just for a second. And I think this may have been when your relationship with Graham Goldman may have germinated. I'm not sure. But if you go back to back to 1970, because New York is closed, it was what, 73? Uh, 72. 72. So two years earlier, you're in the yeah. UK and you meet up yeah. with Harvey Lisberg. Yeah. And he's, a, he's the manager of Herman's Hermits at 10CC. Is that how you meet Graham Goldman? Yes. Okay. So, but... Now, 10CC, were they together in 70? I didn't hear about them well, until much later. No, they were called Hot Legs, and they didn't include Graham. The very first record 10CC ever made in the studio was the 10CC Barry Greenfield song, Sweet America. It's the first time they ever got what? together. What? They recorded your song? Sweet America. They're the backup band, and Graham produced it. Is that right? Yeah, there's a different version. The one that, That's the English version that was the BBC record of the week that 10CC did. Wow. They weren't called 10CC, they were called Hot Legs. Remember Neanderthal Man? I'm a Neanderthal Man. Yeah, You're yeah. a Neanderthal Girl. That's yeah. Hot Legs. Hot Legs is 10CC. So with that version, you sang it? Oh, yeah. So by that time, you were over yourself as a singer? You were, you were, you were singing songs and it wasn't, bothering, it wasn't bothering you anymore? <laughs> I've never gotten over myself as a singer. <laughs> um, no, I, um, I knew that... Um, I, no, I just, I think the, more, the thing was I'd just done more in my living room and for people. I used to play at parties and I'd done a couple of gigs at, one, at the Evergreen Hall. I played at a, at a room on, uh, in Commercial Drive, 30-minute sets with rock bands. You know, I'd done some shit. I, I'd stretched my wings a bit. So, yeah. You're a little more I, confident. I, yeah. yeah, that's the word. I, and how, how I did you meet Andrew Lloyd? How did you meet Andrew Lloyd Webber? Was that through him as well? No, Harvey Lisberg, who was my manager, was Andrew's manager. I see. Okay. He managed lots of people. And okay, so let's, let's go into Graham Goldman. And, and, and uh, I want you to tell our audience more about Graham. Some people know his legend. Some people mm -hmm. do not. Let it out. Well, I'll just begin my story about my brother, because he's my brother, and I love him like you do a brother, um, by saying of everybody that I work with in my life, the most talented person I've ever been in the room with is Graham Goldman. He's not only the best songwriter I've ever written with or worked with, he's the best guitar player I've ever worked with. He thinks really quick and he works really hard. And a lot of my work ethic I learned from sitting at his feet, watching him work. So the way the story goes is I flew to Manchester because I wanted to make a record in England. And I got on a bus, a double-decker well, No, bus. okay. What's the timeline of this? Where, where is, this, is this after New York is closed tonight? No, this is before New York is closed tonight. Okay, 68. okay. Okay. So I um, flew to Manchester to live with my Auntie Sadie. No, no, she was dead. To live with another aunt. And um, I got on a bus. And I had my guitar. And for some reason, which again is angels, as Laurie would say, guardian angels. There was a girl on the bus. And I went to the girl and I said, do you know any musicians in Manchester? I'm here to meet musicians. And she said, oh, well, my boyfriend is Lal Cream and he's in a band. And I said, oh. Oh my uh, God. Can I, can I have his phone number? And she said, yeah. She gave me his phone number. Now Lal Cream was for one of the 
more evil description, the short guy in 10 cc was five. Yeah, Godfrey and Cream. Yeah. Godfrey and Cream. So I came home and I phoned Lal Cream on the phone. He answered the phone and he was pure nasty. He was furious that this girl gave me his phone number, furious that I'd have the audacity to phone him. Just, he was, I spent a lot of time with Lal over the next two years, next year and a half, and he was not a nice guy. The other three guys were really nice, but he was not. So I got the bad one, but it worked out anyway. He said, don't effing speak to me, you effing asshole. I don't have time for this shit. Um, phone my manager. Oh, well, thank you so much, Lal. I thought always thought Lal was a stupid name. His name is Lawrence. And I said, thank you so much, Lal. <laughs> God, Lal. Suits him. Have you ever heard the song, I Want to Rule the World, The Biggest Man to Ever Rule the World? They wrote that about Lal because that, that's who he was. He thought he was just God. Wow. And um, um, he gave me Harvey Lisberg's phone number. So I phoned Lisberg up. And again, an act of courage. The lady on the bus was an act of courage. Phoning Harvey Lisberg was an act of courage. And going over to Harvey Lisberg's house that night was an act of courage. And going to Apple was an act of courage. Phoning you was an act of courage. So he says to me, Harvey Lisberg says, um, oh, well, I don't know. What do you got? And I said, well, I'm a songwriter, and I'd like to uh, talk to you about my songs. I'm looking for a publishing deal. He says, where do you live? And I told him, he says, well, that's about a 20-minute walk from my house. Uh, come on over. And I said, when? He said, now. So I take my guitar and I walk the 20 minutes. And I'm not very good at directions, but I do find the place. And I knock on his very, very, very expensive house. And this sort of rotund accountant, because he was an accountant before he was a manager of Herman's Hermits and Freddie and the Dreamers. Uh, opened the door, and he was quite kind, quite warm, quite friendly. He took me into this very small little study, and I pulled out my guitar, and I started playing a song. And before I was 30 seconds into the song, he picks up the phone, and he phones this person, and he says, you're not going to believe it. This guy walked into my house five minutes ago, and he sounds just like Cat Stevens. And I'd never heard of Cat Stevens. And this guy says, uh-huh, and he says, come on over and listen to him. And this guy says, I know this now, but I didn't know that. I'm on my way to the airport. I'm leaving for the airport in 10 minutes. I'm going to Mallorca on holiday. So Harvey says, well, stop it on your way to the airport. Only for 10 minutes. So guy puts down the phone and he says, Graham Goulbin's coming over to hear your song. And it could have been Paul McCartney for me. Graham Goulbin is like the top of the food chain. He wrote Bus Stop, Look Through Any Window, No Milk Today, Evil Hearted You, Heart Full of Soul, um, East Side, West Side. Back Paul when he was like 14, 15. When he was like 14, yeah, 15. 15. He was amazing. Yeah. His mother went to the manager of the Hollies and said, you've got to hear my songs, my, my son's songs. And Graham Nash, um, uh, what's the guitar player's name? The guitar player. Three of them went over there with Alan, Alan Clark, Graham Nash, and the guitar player, who I really liked a lot, forgot his name, um, thought Graham was a genius. Since Graham was a genius. He played Bus Stop, Look Through Any Window, and No Milk Today. And Graham said, I can't give you No Milk Today because I promised it to Peter Noon. For Herman Sermon. So anyway, yeah, anyway, 15 minutes later, in walks this really tall guy with this heavy coat on, expensive, heavy uh, scarf on, and his wife, Susan, who I fell in love with, and um, says, what you got? And I played him two songs, three songs. And he says, all right, they're brilliant. Um, I'll be back in 10 days. We'll go in the studio with my friends. Uh, write me a single. And I said, what's a single? And he said, write me a song that's no longer than three minutes and 20 seconds and make sure it has a chorus and make sure it fits 
repetition and for the radio. And uh, okay, because I didn't care about singles. Mm-hmm. And whew, it was gone. Grant Goulden was gone. And Harvey Lisberg got paperwork drawn up and I signed a contract. And he agreed to pay me 25 pounds a week to sign with his Kennedy Street company. And I one day, a year and a half later or so, asked him why he paid me 25 pounds a week and paid Andrew Lloyd Webber 20 pounds a week. And he said to me, because Andrew asked for 20 and you asked for 25. <laughs> what a lovely story. I love that. Mm. And um, so Graham came and we went into Strawberry North and I had never done this before. I played my song on the acoustic, Sweet America, which I wrote on my Aunt Sadie's couch. And uh, lo and behold, we had a, a song, and we did two songs, Sweet America, uh, with 10CC playing all the instruments, singing all the background vocals, and the B-side, Dorothy's Daughter. And it was incredible fun, really great fun. It was and so, so did, did it do okay for you in England? No, not really. Um, when it was released on Philips, which is a, a big label in, the, in Europe, um, it became the BBC record of the week. And that means that it's played every day from Monday to Friday at quarter to eight on BBC One with trumpets, fanfare, and Tony Blackman, who was the number one DJ in England. Ladies and gentlemen, the BBC record of the week this week is Barry Greenfield, Sweet America. And then he'd play the song. And the week before was Another Day by Paul McCartney. And the week after was The Carpenter's Ticket to Ride, two Beatle bookends. And both those songs went top 10. But my song didn't go top 10. It didn't do very much. Um, I think it went top 50, top 40. And I'm not Maybe disillusionment with the United States? You're never going to know. I mean, it was... Full Down on Your Knees and Cry, the line in the song, has been the strongest line in the song and the one that's caused it the most turn off. So, I don't know. Wasn't meant to be. Wasn't really that good a record. Buffy St. Marie covered it. Yeah, I went number eight with her. Wow. In England. That was many years later, 1988. But um, it's the most covered song I've got. It's been covered by nine artists. And um, I don't think 10CC made a good record of it. I thought David Kirshenbaum's record was better. Um, and I thought the record I made with Chris Noel uh, 10 years ago in Nashville was better. But um, I don't think the 10 10CC weren't really gelled yet. I think it would have been a year later, it would have been a far better record. I don't think it was a very good record. And uh, why it made the BBC record of the week, I don't know if that was payola or reality. These things you never know. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, it could have been a little bit of both. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, Now, the thing is with Graham Goldman, you talk about him as a brother. I mean, you became really close to him. I mean, his mother was like your mother. Yeah, she called me his second son. I moved in with Graham and his wife uh, shortly after that because I was living in a bedsit room, and I lived with him for slightly over a year. And we wrote, I don't know, a dozen songs together. A couple of them got recorded. Um, we were just, just like you and me. It was like easy. Hey, thanks for joining us. Check out our many other podcasts featuring vignettes and full episodes from a growing list of recording artists and other music insiders. And please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so we can bring you more great content from this and many other shows we're now producing. Available both on podcast and video on demand.